Hey everyone, I'm Anna Marie. Welcome to My Dad's Walk, where my dad will share what he's learned while walking with Christ. And now, my dad. Thank you, Anna Marie. I'm Greg Bouton, and in this episode, we will be discussing how to be prosperous and successful wherever you go. Yes, God gave us a three-point plan for success, and we're going to unpack it. And what does success mean anyway? I don't know. I need to warn you, this is no self-help, feel-good, motivational speech that everyone seems so fond of. It's a God-help plan. So let's get started. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, God gives to Joshua the game plan for success and prosperity. Before we get into the game plan, though, let's get a little backstory. Okay, an origin story, if you will, for Joshua. So the Israelite people were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. God partners with Moses to deliver the Israelite nation out of slavery. Now, this is when we read about the plagues, like the water turns into blood, the frogs, the locusts, plague on the livestock, darkness. Ah, yeah, that's kind of peaceful. And also, we see them going through the Red Sea. After that, the nation meanders around in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, at the end of the 40 years, they're ready to drive out the Canaanite nations and receive the land that God promised them. So right before they get started, Moses dies. Now, like He was their leader for f- those 40 years. So now the second in command has to take over. And guess who that is? Joshua. Joshua. Yes, it's Joshua. This brings us to the book of Joshua. So in chapter 1, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. In fact, he says, be very strong and courageous. And then God tells him what he must do to be successful and prosperous. Now, this advice is not only for him, but it's also for us as well. The plan that God gives to Joshua really is for all people. Like anything written uh, in the Bible, like we said before, is there to teach us about us, about who God is, about his plan for us. So this is also for us. And the three things we can do to be successful and prosperous is... Okay, wait, 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 wait. Before... I get into these three things. All right. I feel that I need to add a disclaimer to this. The Bible by itself does not change people's lives or save anyone. It is not a magic book that has some type of power inherent in it. It is God's word and message through which he speaks to us. It's like a window that we look through and see God. He's speaking to us. He's telling us about who he is and who we are and what his plan for us is. The power to change lives does not come from some words on paper, but it comes from God alone. All right. So now the three things are read the Bible, think about what you read, and then do what it says. That's it. Here's the three things, once again, in case you missed it. Read the Bible, think about what you read, and then do what it says. Okay, so we're going to go to the book of Joshua. This is chapter 1, verse 8, and this is what's written here. This is God talking to Joshua. He says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. Let's break this down, you know, and talk about each piece uh, that we're, we're reading about here. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And that is kind of the read the Bible part. In Joshua's time, they didn't have the Bible like we do, of course. Obviously, they didn't have the book of Joshua during Joshua's time. I think I didn't need to explain that to you. But what they had was the first five books, which they called the book of the law or the Torah. So God is telling Joshua to develop a habit of reading the book. And that is the first step. You know, find a time during the day or morning or night or every day to read this. All right. And this is super important. Here's a, a super important point. Don't make reading the Bible a to-do list item. You know, that's where you just, you've got it on some type of agenda and you read it and you're like, check. Okay, check off. Got it. I'm done. Next. Uh, also, you don't have to read a lot. 
uh, no more than a chapter. You can just read a small amount if you want. Uh, some Sometimes uh, people will do like a reading program, maybe like read the Bible in a year. I've heard uh, some of my friends are doing that. or uh, And that's, that's okay too. Just depends on what your goals are and how you want to study it. But I will say this, no matter how you study or how you read, the real key is what you do before you start reading. Now, before you start, I would suggest you say a short prayer, just like Samuel did when he was a young boy. Samuel was a prophet. When he was a young boy, uh, God was speaking to him. He said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's a good prayer. Or one like a Psalm chapter 119, verse 18, that says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You know, just ask God in your own words to speak to you as you read. That's it. I just say, look, Lord, uh, teach me. You know, I'm going to read something here. Teach me about this. Open up my ears to hear your voice. Like the disclaimer that said uh, earlier, the Bible by itself doesn't have any special power. All right. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us when we read the Bible. I have a quote uh, that I wrote in my Bible from a well-known Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Louis Finkelstein. I read a book from his, by the way, you know, and he, this was a quote. I really like this quote. He's a Jewish rabbi. He's not a Christian man, but, but uh, he studies the Bible too. Anyway, he quoted this. He said this, when I pray, I speak to God. When I study, God speaks to me. All right. I don't think that's always true necessarily, but I can kind of relate to it. I liked it. I wrote that down and kind of, I enjoyed what it said. Anyway, I know that God speaks to me when I'm studying the Bible. So so for step one, let's recap step one. Develop a daily habit, read a small section, um, and ask God to speak to you. Step two, but you shall meditate on it day and night. This means to think about it. So sometimes there are difficult passages, parables, events that are just kind of hard to understand. Uh, just ask God to teach you about that. You know, Sometimes when I read something confusing... God answers me right away, and I understand it. I'm like, wow, okay, I didn't know that two seconds ago. Now I get it. Uh, but sometimes it takes a little while and a little bit further study. I may go to a, I may just pray about it actually for a while, uh, and it may be a week or a month or so before I understand it. Um, sometimes I'll go to a commentary, like a Bible commentary. Sometimes I even talk to somebody else, and they shed some light on it that I never would have uh, understood on my own, I think, without uh, God's help. But God uses other ways to teach you, like another person. And there are times when I hear God say, uh, listen, you're not capable of understanding this yet. You're just going to have to wait. Sometimes a long time. It's going to be years, years, many years, or you're just, you'll get the answer like when we talk face to face on the other side, okay? You're just going to have to wait on this one. So sometimes there are just mysterious things uh, that are going to be very difficult to understand. So for step two, think about what you read. Uh, ask yourself what stood out to you. You know, was there anything that God was impressing on you or teaching you? Was there something confusing maybe that you can pursue um, later, you know, as uh, through a text commentary or through talking to other people? Those are all good. Good uh, things right there. And on to step three, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And so for like this step, just uh, you just do it, you know, just put it into practice, apply it to your life, you know, move on there. Now, keep in mind, this is not your job alone. You know, God will help us. He's our helper. Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us put his commands into practice. All right. I'm not strong enough on my own. <laughs> I'm not good enough to do all those things. I'm not patient enough to be, you know, all the patience, the love, and the kindness. That doesn't naturally come all the time. So I definitely need God's help with that. And uh, so that's that's a good thing to be partners with God in.
A very important note right here. Don't ever think that what you do somehow earns points with God or that you're like earning God's love or you're earning your salvation. You are not. (laughs) Also, very, very important note. Don't ever think that what you do manipulates God or makes him respond in a certain way. That is what we call legalism and views our relationship with God as a contract in which I'll agree to do certain things. I agree to give money and to, to, to read the Bible and pray and I'm going to stir up my faith. And then, God, you have to do certain things too. Like you have to bless me and you have to, you have to double my money or, you know, just, it's not a contract. Our relationship with God is not a contract. It's described in the Bible as a covenant relationship. It's based on love uh, for each other. We don't follow his commands to get something from him. You know, we just do it as a natural response to his love that he's already poured into us and it's overflowing out of us. So when we read the Bible, we think about what we've read and then we apply it to our life. Then what can we expect? And here's what it says. It says, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will achieve success. Now the word prosperity and um, success, that word also, that's been thrown around Christian circles quite a lot over the past 40, 50 years and quite carelessly in some cases as well. Because we are, as people, we are tempted to measure prosperity and success the same way the world measures prosperity and success in terms of money, power, status, you know, popularity, material things, what kind of car you have, how big is your house. All of those things are not evil things in and of themselves, but none of those things are valuable to God. So what does God really value? God values our faith. And growing in faith, growing in our relationship with him equals prosperity and success. And when we seek his kingdom first, all those other things will be added as well. The Hebrew word for prosperous, this is kind of interesting, I thought, means to advance and move forward as well as succeed. So it has this sense of success. This is the word prosperous in Hebrew. It has a, it means success, and it also has a sense of advancement. In the Old Testament, wherever we read the Holy Spirit rushed upon him or rushed upon King David, or that word rushed upon is that word prosperous. So to move forward and upward in our faith and relationship with him, that is prosperity and then we will find success. I'm going to just end this segment with this side note. Also very important to note, being prosperous and successful does not mean that you will not experience failures because God can use failures quite a bit to help us grow as a person, you know, as much if not more than he would use successes. So he may need to introduce some failures into our lives in order to cut away some of the bad habits maybe, Uh, maybe just to guide us on a different path So failure is part of life. But, you know, for every step backwards, you know what they say, you know, two steps forward. So he has a better path for us sometimes, and failure may be how he gets us there. So anyway, that's it. And we have time for some questions right here. We've got several questions here that are all kind of related to the same thing, and these are about prophets. So there's a question, are there still prophets today? And then also, what about prophetic dreams and visions in today's time? And also, what about prophesying over people's lives? So those are really good questions. I just want to let you all know, I I do not have a degree in theology, right? I didn't go to seminary, so I just have studied this for a long time, and I just want to share what I've learned. And I've listened to a lot of great theologians who speak on certain things, so you may want to kind of dig in a little bit more and and seek out some uh, really good uh, theological answers from somebody who has studied this a little bit more. However, 
Here's what I uh, believe and here's what I've kind of learned uh, throughout my years. First, uh, let me just define prophecy here. Okay, prophecy is just simply speaking the words of God to other people. It's not always about predictions about the future, but it can be about encouragement or guidance or warnings, any message that God has for another person. So God is partnering with one person to deliver his message to another person. That's kind of what prophecy is. And I see a difference between the office of prophet and then the gift of prophecy, okay? So like in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God is not poured out among all people. Uh, Rather, he comes upon an individual for a purpose. God appointed a prophet or multiple prophets to deliver his message continually. This was like the job, that person's job, right? This was the office of the prophet, all right? It's their job. They listen to God they give the message that God has for that nation or for that king or for that other person. So that was the Old Testament, like where there's an office of the prophet. Now in the New Testament, Jesus, after he was resurrected, the Holy Spirit was and is poured out among all people. So now God can speak directly to anyone to deliver his message to another person. So this is what I call at least the gift of prophecy. This is how I understand it. This is not the office of the prophet but it is not a person's job necessarily. It is a gift. All right. So nobody has the job of being the prophet. Um, that's that's my uh, understanding of of scripture. Uh, there's a lot of disagreement among Christians about whether the gifts of the Spirit ended after the Bible was completed or if it continues today. Please feel free to disagree what I uh, say, what I have to say, and my opinions is fine. I respect different opinions on this. My faith does not rest on this minor issue right here, but I see quite a lot of middle ground on this that both sides agree upon. So can God use people today to give his message to other people? Certainly does. He can supernaturally give a message for one person to give to another person. And people on both sides of the debate seem to agree on this. God can reveal truth to one person to deliver to another. Now, I don't believe that makes that person a permanent prophet. And I don't think people should use the term prophet or uh, the title prophetess or anything, but rather understand that God is partnering with a person to be like maybe a temporary prophet, if you will. And that's what I consider the gift of prophecy. For example, God may supernaturally give you a message to deliver to someone else, maybe a total stranger or something. That's a gift. He's not installing you into the office of prophet full-time, and that's your job, but rather he gave you a one-time gift that was necessary for that particular person at that particular time. I think both sides of the disagreement agree on that, that God can work and give messages supernaturally today. Dreams and visions are possible with God. He can use any method that he sees fit too. The question is, what is our response if someone has a message from God for us? I would say, do what John says in 1 John 4.1. He says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we must compare the message delivered to us against Scripture. The two must agree. And if they don't, toss out the message. And if they do, pray for confirmation, okay, and ask God to show you uh, how to apply it to your life. Now, if somebody came up to me tomorrow and says, God told me you need to quit your job tomorrow and do, I would say, okay, that's great. You know, there's nothing necessarily in Scripture, I guess, that says I can't quit my job, but... 
I am definitely going to be praying for confirmation on that. And uh, I'm going to need God to make that very clear to me. And he will. He will do that if he wants me to know that message. So hopefully I uh, addressed those questions uh, for you. I thank you for those questions. And uh, we're wrapping this episode up right here. Go to anchor.fm slash my dad's walk if you'd like to leave a message. So check that out. All right, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye.